Hello again, Timberwolves fans. Are you ready for the explosion of Timberwolves basketball here on Timberwolves Explosion? Yep, the anticipated episode number 37 of Timberwolves Explosion. Today is the 27th of October, 2009. Thank you for downloading and listening to this show, which is available on the sportstuff.com, iTunes, and timberwolvespress.com. Thank you always for listening. I do appreciate it very much. First and foremost, on the front page of the sportstuff.com, there's a button that says TSS Boards. Do click on that. That is how you can become a member on the sportstuff.com. It is 100% free and 100% fun. Don't forget to mention me as a referral, as there is a referral bar down about the middle of the page when you're signing up. Type in Paladino Live, P-A-L-A-D-I-N-O, live, two separate words. It's simple. Also, we have a phone line, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail on the sportstuff.com. Mention that you're calling in for Timberwolves Explosion. Make your statement, shout-out, question, whatever it is. Leave your name and town, and there you go. That is how you can be a part of things there. Also, TimberwolvesPress.com, a wonderful website as well. Post my show on that site as well. I also serve as an admin on the page. It is a wonderful page. Minnesota Timberwolves News, my show, uh, articles, comic relief, anything on there. Quite a bit of stuff over the course of time. Do appreciate that also if you would check that out. Thank you very much for that. Well, the guest of today's show, episode number 37, is about, well, it's a season preview. First and foremost, going to get into really, going to get into the Timberwolves, the Northwest Division. I'll start off with the Northwest Division, then the Timberwolves, and then kind of a final prediction that will also be, that will be in segment number three. We'll do, I'll do the final prediction part of the, of the, uh, Season preview, I'll say who goes 1 through 8 in the postseason in both conferences and who the two teams in each conference final and then the eventual NBA champion. Those will be my picks for that. Do stick around for that. will be a lot of fun. So with no further ado, we're going to take our first break and get into the official preview right after this. Here on the SportsStuff.com, join the family with Purple Mafia. With Brett Favre now in the mix with Adrian Peterson, the best running back there is, along with the new Purple People Eaters, the Viking ship is on course for something great. We're available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. We'll bring you the most honest and passionate Viking show there is. And we are back here on Timberwolves Explosion, episode number 37, which is a reminder for iPod, MP3 player, and Microsoft Zune users. Thank you always for joining. All right, let's get into that infamous Northwest Division, the Northwest Division. Last year, Denver and Portland tied for the division uh, championship in terms of the record, but Denver had the tiebreaker, and they won it. I picked Utah to win the division last year. Portland to finish second, and Denver third, and it looked like Denver was going to be third until the uh, infamous Allen Iverson was traded away to Detroit, and Chauncey Billups, his second stint with Denver, a million times more successful than his previous stint, of course made the, the uh, almost said the Denver Broncos, scary thoughts, not there, made the Denver Nuggets so much better, it was unbelievable, and they made him so much, he made him so much more likable as well, 
as they had a pretty competitive Western Conference Finals appearance against the Los Angeles Lakers, the eventual world champions. So that is the deal there with Denver. Portland, of course, had a uh, very good season as well, but you could just sense that they weren't good enough in terms of you know, making a playoff run. They just weren't ready for it. You could just see it. Denver, of course, tested in terms of the Chauncey Billups department. Um, yeah, and a guy like that adds quite a bit. Utah, disappointing last season. Of course, injuries to Carlos Boozer was a huge factor for that along the way. But Paul Millsap filled in well, and of course, Coach Sloan is Coach Sloan. But Utah, unfortunately, had the eighth seed and had the uh, <laughs> unfortunate task of taking on the LA Lakers in the first round of the postseason. So that is the deal there. Then you come up with the Minnesota Timberwolves and Oklahoma City Thunder. Our Wolves were 24 and 58, Oklahoma City 23 and 59. That was the deal there. Minnesota, our Wolves looked like they were going to have a 30 win season or so until Al Jefferson's ACL injury. Definitely an unfortunate state of affairs there. And of course, Oklahoma City started out the year looking like they're going to be the worst team <laughs> in the league. Ended up improving significantly down the stretch. Had some growing pains, and uh, we're going to get into this division now. I'm going to go from the bottom up, except unfortunately I'm going to skip the Timberwolves and save them for last. Save the best for last, right, folks? So here we go. Oklahoma City. The Oklahoma City Thunder. A lot of people across the league would tell you this is a team on the ice, and uh, I agree with them wholeheartedly at this point in time. Jeff Green emerged nicely. He looked like a 12-points-a-game guy. became about a 17-points-a-game guy. And only his second season in the league, by the way. He, of course, a part of that whole Ray Allen deal. Went to the Seattle Supersonics, who are now the Oklahoma City Thunder. Kevin Durant went from a 21-points-a-game. Looked like a number two kind of a star to a number one type of star. About 26 points a game last year. Unbelievably awesome. Russell Westbrook, a lot of us were pretty baffled. When the Thunder acquired him, and wow, <laughs> or the Thunder, the Seattle Supersonics at the time became the Thunder, of course. A lot of people thought he was maybe the eighth pick or something, and maybe another Randy Foy. Not the case. The guy looks hit legit. Very, very exciting indeed. These uh, Oklahoma City Thunder have a chance to be pretty good, and they have a center by the name of <laughs> B.J. Mullins from Ohio State. Very raw indeed, and... Uh, He's not necessarily a star in the making or anything, but he has a chance to be, a, you know, at least he has an opportunity for some playing time because there's no real uh, can't-miss center on this team. Nick Collison filled in nicely and stretches as a starting power forward. Jeff Green moved to small forward, which I think is more of his natural position. Uh, Kevin Durant, kind of a shooting guard. But uh, now it's going to be, it's looking like, now with the addition of James Harden, who is a pure shooting guard and a really wonderful player that I love going into the draft. He looked pretty pumped going to this young but stacked team. Absolutely stacked. And no, it's not because they have Eton Thomas, Kevin Ali, and Thabo Cephalosha. It's because they have Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Jeff Green. That is just a really stacked group of players right there. But yeah, you could pretty much expect a backcourt of Westbrook, Harden, and then Green, or excuse me, Durant, Green, and possibly B.J. Mullins, Nick Collison, and Ibaka possibly filling in. Chances that guy is kind of a deep backup at this point. Chris Dick might will probably be the starting center going into this season just because he's more established. Um, but very exciting team going in. So now, of course, due to time constraints, you better move quickly here. 
and we are moving on to the Utah Jazz, who of course finished third last year, the 48-win season. A lot of us saw them win in about 55. Another fairly stacked lineup, of course, Carlos Boozer, you can't really miss him. Matt Harbring has been a nice depth guy for a while. He's 33 years old already. Andre Karolenko is kind of the do-everything guy. Certainly not the player a lot of people expected coming in, but uh, the story of the year last year was Mamet, or excuse me, <laughs> it was Paul Millsap, who had a huge, huge season last year, averaging 13.5 points, 8 rebounds a game in 17 games. He was a second-round pick, 17th pick in the second round by the Utah Jazz in 06. And um, when you look at his split this year, Paul Millsap, as a starter, 16 points, 10.3 rebounds a game last season when he had to fill in for the injured Carlos Boozer. That was in a 38-game period. Of course, when he went down to a sub, he was 11.7 rebound guy. Still not bad as a sub, but as a starter, looks like a legit player. Very similar to Al Jefferson when he started for the Boston Celtics, That when he finally got to be a starter in his third year with the Boston Celtics, about 16 and 10. Of course, Jefferson is more 17-11-ish, but you get the idea. Very good stuff. And, uh, yeah, another deep south guy about the same age, actually, as Al Jefferson, about a month younger. Paul Millsap, definitely a guy who is on the rise and also has major insurance should Carlos Boozer go down. As the old Boozer is a pretty injury-prone guy. The star of this team, to me, without a doubt, is, Dur- is Duran Williams. He is an absolute stud. A guy who'll average about 18 points, nine re- excuse me, nine assists a game, and even be a solid rebounder, hit lots of threes. I mean, the guy kind of does it all. Does Deron Williams? A lot of people compare him to Chris Paul. They both came out of the same draft. Both are absolute studs, and um, yeah, Deron Williams. You could say is a more yeah, he's more talented than John Stockton. He's just not at the John Stockton legacy. Not even close at this point in time. John Stockton was a better point guard, but Deron Williams is definitely. An overall better athlete, that's for sure. There's no doubt there. But also a potential super-duper star because you combine his skill and his ta- his talent together. And it's just uh, his athletic talent together. It's a it's a beautiful thing to see. Kirilenko at $15 million a year, though, definitely overpaid, is the 28-year-old Andre Kirilenko, AK-47. And uh, finally, Mehmet Okur has been a huge plus for these Utah Jazz. He's 30 years old already. A center who can hit threes, can rebound, and can score inside. He's just kind of a do-it-all type of center, and uh, got to love him. He's been a huge issue for many teams across the league. And um, <laughs> Utah Jazz also a- adding Eric Maynard, though, in the uh, in the draft this year. That could be a nice one. Eric Maynard, one of the several point guards coming out of the draft this year. A lot of people kind of like him coming out of uh, Virginia Common- the Virginia Commonwealth. Looks like he might be something... Obviously, we'll have to wait and see there. They also added Wesley Matthews via the draft, who is a swingman. So that's the deal there. Utah Jazz look like a good team, but they will not win the division this year. They will not win the division this year. We go now to the Portland Jail Blazers. I mean, excuse me, Portland Trail Blazers, who, when you talk about a team that's stacked, this team is pretty stacked, folks. They're pretty stacked. LaMarcus Aldrich, of course, in the... Uh, was traded for Tyrus Thomas. The Bulls acquired LaMarcus Aldrich, traded him for Tyrus Thomas. During that draft, they have Greg Oden. Tyrus Thomas, definitely not the better player between the two. LaMarcus Aldrich, very good player coming out of that 2006 draft. 
But to me, he's certainly no franchise player. He's more of a piece. They have a guy who a lot of people like. I'm still not convinced he's going to be as good as a lot of people would like you to believe in Rudy Fernandez. He can certainly hit threes, but overall, I still need to see it. Steve Blake is just a smart and, you know, intelligent, true point guard type of guy. Who's also pretty good at defense. He'll fill in at times. Definitely not the full-time guy because a major addition here, Andre Miller. Now, this is the first team that actually had a major free agent addition. They tried to get, uh, excuse me, they tried to get Paul Millsap away from Utah. They tried to get Hidu Turkulu, and then they finally were able to get Plan C, Andre Miller. And uh, that one did come through. So I, I, I don't know what they're going to do with Jared Bayless. Uh, obviously, he's a lot younger than Andre Miller, but still a little surprising to me that they do that. It just shows how raw Jared Bayless is, and that they're certainly not even close to ready to give him the reins. Not even close. As Jared Bayless, who a lot of people saw as the number four pick going to the Oklahoma City Thunder last season, slipped all the way to the 12th pick or 11th pick last year. Very, very surprising to us, but then we see why. The guy just wasn't ready to compete in the NBA Greg Golden, number one overall pick, still has not proven himself, but all indications are this guy's ready to have a, a breakout year, and uh, he's he's ready to show the league what he is and what he definitely can be in the years to come. Absolutely. And uh, I'm pretty excited. I was able to get him on one of my fantasy teams, not in the sportsstuff.com fantasy team, but the uh, I tried to get him. <laughs> Didn't get him. Tried to get him on another league, but I did get him in the Maranatha League. <laughs> That's a former school I used to go to, and uh, yeah, that's about all I need to say about that at this point in time. Brandon Roy, though, is the obviously superstar of this team. He's actually better than, he's certainly better than I expected. About a 23 points a game guy at this point in time, and uh, he's only three years in to his career, and who knows how high this guy will go, Brandon Roy. And he's obviously been a Timberwolves killer down the stretch. You just know deep down in his mind he still wants to rub it in our face for taking Randy Foy and about a million dollars cash over him in that draft. I mean, the Wolves had a gift drop in their lap, and they let him go. They let him go for a mediocre uh, to a slightly above-average combo guard. At the time, I was totally for Randy Foy. I thought he was going to be what, what uh, basically what Russell Westbrook has become and is on his way to becoming. Just a really good point guard in this, in this league, the NBA. And, of course... Uh, that just has not happened for Randy Foy. That's why I was a little bit leery about the idea of taking Russell Westbrook. We don't need another Randy Foy, especially when he was still here at the time. Um, but that's the deal. A couple more depth pieces here. Travis Zola has just been a really nice find for the Portland Trailblazers. Really nice find. One of the final uh, high school guys he came out in that L. Jefferson class. They're already in their sixth season. And uh, Carvacella is starting to break through here. He's gotten, he's starting to really get pretty good, actually, if you want my honest opinion. Definitely stepped up nicely. Still on his, still not reaching his full potential yet, in my opinion. Joel Prisbilla, of course, former Minnesota Gopher. Graduated the same year I did in 98, <laughs> the 30-year-old. Prisbilla, a nice shot-blocking defensive guy off the bench. The guy I wanted the Wolves to have for quite a while. And then the ancient Juwan Howard is still in the NBA. I'm kind of shocked he is on the Portland Trailblazers. So uh, I do see a really, I do see marked improvement from these Blazers going into the season, actually. Even though they did win 54 games last year, I think they're going to, I think they're going to win about 56, 57 and uh, be way up there in the uh, elite. 
Maybe maybe about 55, but they'll still be in the elite when it when it all matters. In the end, I'll get to that very shortly. The team that won the division last year, who also won 54 games, the Denver Nuggets. Of course, led by former Timberwolf, former Toronto Raptor, former former Nugget, <laughs> former Celtic, former Orlando Magic. Even though he didn't play there, he had a cup of coffee there during that shoulder injury season way back in. 99-2000. Denver Nuggets, of course, wound up with uh, Ty Lawson as well, a guy who some people believe could be a really, really good player in this league. He's a guy the Wolves are able to take with the 18th pick. Of course, dealt him away immediately in a handshake deal. Um, but these uh, Denver Nuggets, to me, I want to say I, I'm just torn right now, to be honest with you, between the Nuggets and Blazers. Who's going to win the division? But I will get into that in a second. Of course, Chauncey Billups, though, is just an overall stud, and boy, did he make a transformation of this team. They looked like they were going to miss the playoffs last year, and I think they would have without him. So when you have Chauncey Billups back for a full season, I can see this team winning anywhere from 55 to 58 games, maybe even 60, because Carmelo Anthony still hasn't reached the, uh, his ceiling. He really hasn't, um, though a lot of guys last year, you could argue, it was just everybody stayed healthy for the most part. Uh, J.R. Smith is really worked out nicely. He's another one of those high school guys. It's a three-point stud and a guy who can jump out of the gym, but he's suitable for a six-man despite his unbelievable athleticism. It's just his IQ isn't as high as other guys out there. Kenyon Martin is an out-of-control, overpaid nut, and I don't like him. <laughs> but he's still with Denver for the time being at a, at a very modest $14 million a year. He's not overpaid at all. No. Nene Hilario... A guy I'm not a big fan of. Doesn't really do much, but he finally stayed healthy and had a career year last year. Nothing about him stands out. He's just a decent player overall. But will he stay healthy and will he... Uh, that's the big question for the Denver Nuggets. Can Nene Hilario duplicate a season like last year? Very, very hard to say at this point in time. Chauncey Billups absolutely can. as He has been Mr. Consistent and he's been a stud ever since his second year with the Detroit Pistons. An absolute stud. And um, we're just going to have to wait and see there. Uh, Chris Anderson has become a defensive force off the bench. A shot-blocking nut. I mean, wow. Just an absolute shot blocker, the Birdman, at only at less than a million dollars a year. Pretty pretty good find for these Denver Nuggets, who they were able to get him off the street, basically, the former New Orleans Hornet, who had a little drug issue going on. But, boy, has he carved out a nice niche in the NBA. Very nice indeed. I think the Nuggets and Trailblazers are going to have a, a hell of a time. <laughs> I, I, I really do this year. I think they're going to really go at it once again. <sighs> it's really crazy. It's uh, But I do think, I'm going to have to say it, I do think that the Andre Miller acquisition, some of you may agree or disagree with me, I do think the Andre Miller acquisition, and of course just another year for the guys like Older and wiser for uh, Brandon Roy, guys like Rudy Fernandez, Travis Outlaw, and um, uh, LaMarcus Aldrich, all those guys. I do think a year older, year wiser, will end up be winning maybe one more game than the Denver Nuggets and win the division this season. So I see the Portland Trailblazers as an elite team this year, but the Denver Nuggets are going to be right there as well. So don't be surprised if the Denver Nuggets are, say, the fourth seed in the postseason, so there I go, getting ahead of myself. But now we're going to wrap up here and get into the Timberwolves. That's our club. Well, the Wolves, well, they had a 
pretty nice off season indeed. Very well, not necessarily nice, but crazy off season. Pavlovich added Petrov, Sessions, <laughs> Damian Wilkins, of course. Uh, Ryan Hollins, a nice athletic guy. Jason Hart is going to be the third point guard now. Of course, Johnny Flynn's a starter. Um, it's just it's going to be a very interesting year. Definitely a learning year for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wayne Ellington still pretty raw, I think. He'll be coming off the bench. Corey Brewer, though, to me, is really intriguing, really exciting right now for the Timberwolves and their fans here. He looks like a legitimate starting shooting guard, like I mentioned in episode number 36. Um, yeah, I was able to scoop him up at the end of the fantasy draft in two of my leagues. And uh, the guy looks legit. He really does. Tory Brewer actually looks like a starting shooting guard. And uh, that's definitely a good sign. Because a lot of us last season may have written off Corey Brewer thinking that this guy is probably a bust. We're gonna, He's maybe at best going to be a poor man's, a very poor man's Bruce Bowen. But, uh, but he might be a rich man's Bruce Bowen when all said and done. He, he might be closer to a Gerald Wallace, a poor man's Gerald Wallace. Athletic, defensive, uh, swingman type player who can actually hit three-pointers. And uh, that sounds funny. It really does, considering Corey Brewer was before <laughs> this 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 uh, training camp. Now, he did shoot 41% from three-point range last year, but he attempted less than one a game. So... <sighs> Hard to say there, but uh, the guy was was two of three, two of five, and two of four almost the whole preseason. Just an unbelievable preseason, and definitely well above forty percent from three point range. His overall field goal percentage is still right around the forties, which is which it was last year. His career field goal percentage is about thirty eight, and uh, I can definitely see Corey Brewer emerge here. I, I really can. He surprised me quite a bit. Now, I know Al Jefferson was out, and he had to kind of take the reins, but he was already playing good basketball before Al Jefferson and Kevin Love went down. The other thing coming into the season, of course, Al Jefferson with a little Achilles injury, but luckily the talk is he was more sick than anything. Though, Mr. Kurt Rambis, the head coach of the Wolves, did mention that, you know, it's still kind of, you know, he's not 100% sure that Al's ready for the preseason opener tomorrow. Or today, depending when you're listening, but right now today is Tuesday. <laughs> um, it's really, we're going to have to wait and see with that. We're hoping for the best here. Of course, Achilles tendon is no is no joke. It's worse than an ACL. So mm, as long as that's healthy and strong, that's what counts. Nathan Jawai added to the Wolves. And something that uh, Kurt Rambis mentioned today, very exciting indeed. His, his talk is how, you know, the past Nathan Jawai was a guy that people didn't really think or that, excuse me, Kurt Rambis, what he saw in the past on video, did not like what he saw much at all, didn't really see much going on, but then started raving about him on the Paul Allen show today, going as far as to say this guy has a high basketball IQ, he's been excellent in practice, might not see much action the first couple, first week or two because he's just not been in the system long enough and the car's just a triangle offense, um, but definitely uh, Nathan Jawais, at least an intriguing guy to look at, about 6'10", 300-pound baby shack, Nathan Jawai from Australia. Uh, could be a very interesting little throw-in. And the guy who is another throw-in but could be uh, more leg- legit, especially early on, because he had a pretty good preseason as Ryan Hollins. Uh, Kurt Rambis spoke about him today as well. Sounds like a really nice find for the Wolves, possibly long-term. Could become like a Shannon Fry type. Not a, hev- not a heavy rebounder, but you know, provides definitely provides energy offensively. In terms of the athletic, uh, you know, the good old alley-oops. And you know that uh, Johnny Flynn's going to be a guy who's not going to shy away from those. And uh, 
yeah, definitely an intriguing one there in Ryan Hollins. But to me, the most intriguing of them all, what's got me most excited is, is not Ryan Gomes, despite he's a nice, solid guy. It's Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn could be my favorite Timberwolf by the end of November here, or maybe even the end of this week. I mean, I'm so excited about this guy. It's unbelievable. Um, I think his development and how how long it takes for him to possibly become the leader of this team, Kerr Rambis also talked about that, that Flynn will be the leader of this team someday, just not yet. He also went as far as to say this team doesn't have a leader yet, which kind of stunned me a little bit. I thought Al Jefferson was far and away the leader of this team. He sure looked like it until he got hurt. But, uh, yeah, it, he's basically all the stars are, line, are aligning for Johnny Flynn being the leader of this team. Very, very interesting indeed. And uh, the guy is an absolute beast. And what I like about Johnny Flynn is he's the same. He looks to be the same guy. He's going to be the same guy in the NBA that he was in college, up and down, all over the place. He's not having that whole deer-in-the-headlights thing that some especially young point guards have when they go from college to the NBA. Flynn doesn't look like he's got the deer-in-the-headlights. It's just a learning learning process because it's, it's, it's different. You know, The NBA is definitely different, more physical, faster-paced. Uh, Flynn is fast-paced, but so is everybody else. So that's, that's the hard part. You know, The defenders are faster-paced now and more physical. So that's the key when it comes to old Johnny Flynn. But... I'm pretty darn excited about him. There's just no doubt about it. Of course, Ramon Sessions, another a major addition to this team. Not the most expensive guy either, luckily. But um, Ramon Sessions is, you know, definitely at very least a, a guy who can provide depth. The talk, of course, about two weeks ago is that Sessions and Flynn are not necessarily great together on the floor. So that's one thing to worry about though Ramon Sessions has been a very solid backup point guard in the preseason and still gets plenty of playing time. So uh, I think we'll see some time with those two together, but not much. And again, that puts the, I, I think in the end it's going to put the kibosh on the whole idea of a full-time backcourt of Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio in the next two to three years. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't see it because Ramon Sessions isn't a shooter and neither is Ricky Rubio. Ramon Sessions can slash, but he can't shoot. So there you go. Ricky Rubio can pass, but he can't shoot. Same difference in a sense. You know, you got to be able to shoot a little bit. At least somebody in the backcourt is going to have to, especially if it's a guy not being the starting point guard. And uh, Flynn is too short to be a shooting guard. I think we've covered that already. Um, there you go. That is the Wolves preview. Looking like a pretty good team coming in until Kevin Love breaking his... Uh, a bone in his in his in his hand, very unfortunate. Non-shooting hand already on the exercise bike with Al Jefferson, so that's good. Already on an exercise bike despite a broken bone in the hand, so that's a good sign in that sense. So it's not so discomfortable that he can't even do that. Um, hopefully, it works out nicely in that sense. I think the Timberwolves win 28 to 30 games this year. So any 28, 29, 30, anywhere in there, they're going to win something about that range, in my opinion. And uh, the Wolves will be, I think they're going to be in last place this year only because the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder look to be improved. It'll be a pretty good division if the, you have a 28-win team in last place. So, uh, But there's not going to be the super elite like a L.A. Laker type team in the uh, in the long run here. There's just not, that's just not going to happen. Uh, not, not in this division, though. It could be Portland. There's a possibility. I, I think they're going to be the third best team. We'll get into that in a bit. 
As this show is going to run a little bit long again, I apologize, but it's a season preview. We're probably looking at about 35 to 40 minutes, so a little warning for you out there. Uh, <laughs> it's just the way it goes. So I'm going to wrap this part up. We'll I'll do the uh, final finishes right after this. Here on thesportstuff.com, we're turning up the tempo on Brave the Wild. A new era has come to the state of hockey with new attitude, Martin Havlet. A more open style with Coach Todd Richards. And a new philosophy in general manager Chuck Fletcher. We're available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. Answer the call and get ready to brave the wild. And we are back here on Timberwolves Explosion, episode number 37. A reminder for iPod users. So again, I apologize, this show might be about... Five to ten minutes longer than some of you may like, because I know you want it at the 30-minute range. It's just it's a season preview, and uh, that's just how it's going to have to be today. So that's how things go when you do season previews. So, as mentioned, I do pick the Portland Trailblazers to edge out, and I mean edge out, the Denver Nuggets for the Northwest Division title. So that means Denver will be second. Utah third. I'm going to say Oklahoma City wins about another game or two than the Wolves, maybe up to 32 games this year because of their dramatic improvement. So I have the Wolves bringing up the rear, believe it or not, in the Northwest Division. Utah's going to win 50 games. Portland's going to win, I'll say, 57. Denver's going to win 56 to 55-ish. Uh, definitely a good competitive division. Minnesota, 28 to 30-ish. So there you go. And let's get on with the uh, Eastern Conference. I'll do that first. Eastern Conference final standings to me in terms of the top eight. I'm going to say Cleveland is going to win the uh, the regular season. Cleveland is going to win the regular season title in terms of the, the top finish. They're going to win 64 to 68 games, I think, with the addition of Shaquille O'Neal and another year under their belt. Cleveland Cavaliers win the Eastern Conference in the regular season. Boston will be number two, and they're going to be right there with about 64 to 66 wins. Orlando is going to bring in the third, and I know that's boring, but, (laughs) hey, that's how it's going to be. Atlanta is going to be the fourth seed again, but they are going to be even better. They won 47 games last year. This year, I think Atlanta wins up to about 53-ish, and uh, they're going to be fighting with the Orlando Magic for the Southeast Division a lot more competitively than they did last year. They finished 12 games behind despite a second-place finish. Uh, Miami Heat are going to be about the 46-win team, and they'll be fifth. So, so far, we're looking at deja vu in the Eastern Conference, I hate to say. And no, the Detroit Pistons will not make the postseason. Absolutely not. Detroit Pistons are are done, in my opinion. They only won 39 games last year anyway. Uh, Iverson, I don't care for him, and uh, whatever, nor, nor did Detroit. But, yeah, I, I think that team is going to have to do a little bit of rebuilding. They got a little too old and didn't get enough major uh, young prospects. Rodney Stuckey and the Maxiel are not enough to take this team. You know, with Tayshaun Prince, of course, the only main veteran really left on Detroit, especially from their glory days or glory year. Um, Detroit is not going back to the playoffs. It'll be a rebuilding year, and who knows? Maybe they'll get lucky in the draft. That's pretty much what it's going to be. And, by the way, it wouldn't surprise me, another big-name team, getting lucky in the draft, and the Wolves being 5th or 6th, watching the ninth or 10th place Chicago Bulls get number 1. That's really frustrating. (laughs) 
And uh, that's where I think Detroit's going to be this year. So there you go. I'll stop rambling. Sixth seed is going to go to the Chicago Bulls, ladies and gentlemen. An improved team, older and wiser. Going to definitely be over 500. They were 500 last year. They're going to be better. I love John Salmons. I absolutely love Derek Rose. I think he is a, just an absolute stud. I wish he was here in Minnesota, but, well, maybe I won't have to worry about it as much if Johnny Flynn can emerge and be the player he looks like he could become. But the Bulls are the sixth seed in the East, and you never know. They might upset the Orlando Magic. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Knock, knock, knock. They have a chance to upset the Orlando Magic in the first round. They are that good, and, uh, yeah. So Brian Cush, enjoy, and all the other Bulls fans out there. <laughs> and the seventh seed will be the New Jersey Nets. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. No, Rusty. Nope, nope, you know that already. No, they'll be down there. Toronto Raptors are going to be the seventh seed. Hidu Turkoglu, not off to a great start with a little bit of injury, a little dinged up. Uh, but they're, they're definitely going to be a better team this year. They have a nice point guard in Calderon. And, uh, you know, Chris Bosh is, is getting better. He's also in a contract year. Watch out there. Might explode. You never know. Um, Toronto Raptors, though, another team that could be pretty scary for, like, a team like Boston in the first round. Could take them to a sixth or seventh game. Don't think they're getting out of the first round. But, uh, yeah, definitely an improved team. And uh, long term, if they can uh, get things going, it will be good indeed when it comes to the Toronto Raptors. All righty. So the eighth seed, this is where it gets really tough. <laughs> the eighth seed is going to be, I'm going to have to settle with the Philadelphia Phil, uh, Phillies. What am I saying? I'm going to have to settle with, the, excuse me, I'm totally wrong here. Washington Wizards, what am I saying? I'm looking at the wrong thing here. It's going to be the Washington Wizards. A lot of people are all excited about them. They're going to be the eighth seed. A lot of people think they're going to be the fourth or fifth or sixth. No, they're going to be the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Washington Wizards, they will be better, but look at look at what happened. Anton Jamison is already hurt. He is already hurt. He's out about six weeks with a shoulder issue. Gilbert Arenas, you never know. He might score 27 points a game, and he might uh, play 27 games this year. Randy Foy and Andre Miller, Mike Miller, excuse me, about the most overrated uh, acquisitions in the league. <laughs> Don't care about those two guys. They could be good, but a 19-win team is not going to be a 55-win team as another podcast host would say. It's not going to happen. It's just not. Washington's going to be the eighth seed with about 41 wins, maybe, or 39, something like that. And uh, they'll get creamed by the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron and Shaq and Mo Williams will cream the New Jer- excuse me, the Washington Wizards in the first round. So there's your Eastern Conference. Pardon my rambling. I'm taking forever, aren't I? <laughs> Western Conference. Well... LA Lakers are going to be the number one seed once again, and they are going to have a awesome season. They could have; they're going to be in the upper 60s. I'm not going to say 70 because it's too early for that. The number two seed is going to be the San Antonio Spurs, and I don't want to say it, and I hate saying it. They're they're getting older. I mean, it kind of depends. It's going to be either Portland or San Antonio, and maybe even Denver if they can squeak past uh, Portland again. Maybe they'll be the number two seed again. But there is a log jam. <laughs> Two through four, they all won the same amount of games. 54 last year. Got to go with San Antonio for now because I think the stars are aligning for them at this point in time to, to return to the Western Conference Finals at this point in time. That's how I'm going to lean at this point. Denver Nuggets are going to be the fourth seed. Portland will be the three seed. Portland looks pretty good. 457, 55, 57 wins. 
Um, that's how things are going to go there. The fifth seed, Dallas Mavericks. Yuck. Dallas Mavericks. Don't like them at all, but whatever. That's just how it goes. I think they're going to have a nice, uh, little bit better year here with that fifth seed. A little bit better. They'll win about uh, 52 games this year, and they'll lose in the first round, I think, to the Denver Nuggets. I think Denver's better than Dallas, and that's just all there is to it. Uh, so now we go to the seventh seed. Well, last year was New Orleans, and this year it's going to be New Orleans. I'm going to stick with the New Orleans Hornets, actually. Not the Utah Jazz. A lot of people, I think, are underrating the addition of Emeka Okafor. Some of you out there think that that's, it's, it's overrated. I think it's a little underrated. He's, you know, he's a pretty good player. He's better than Tyson Chandler, and if he can stay healthy, and he has of late, I think he makes the New Orleans Hornets a better team, and uh, they'll win another game or two or three this year, and they'll be the seventh seed again. Unfortunately, they're going to run into San Antonio, but, <laughs> but New Orleans gave San Antonio a run for their money a few years ago. In fact, they barely lost to those damn Spurs. Ugh, they lost game seven at home. God, that sucked. But, uh, yeah, New Orleans, definitely not an elite team right now, but they could be. I mean, you never know. They could explode and be as good as the three seed. Yeah, never know with those New Orleans Hornets. Chris Paul is a super stud, folks. So the eighth seed is the Utah Jazz. They'll get in with upper 40s, upper 40s, maybe 50 wins. I mean, you might have a 50-win eighth seed this year, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see with that. Utah Jazz are the eighth seed, and they will be defeated by the LA Lakers again in the first round. And uh, that's just all there is to it. They'll just be an annoying team that beats up on teams like like us, the Wolves, and uh, Memphis, and, and others. So that's pretty much the deal there. LA Clippers, sorry, Gav, I'm not sure they're going to make it this year. I think they're going to be eighth, ninth seed. They're going to be duking it out with Phoenix and Golden State for that. Um, there you go. There you go. There's your conference uh, predictions. Now for the conference finals, well, in the Eastern Conference, I'm going to go with Cleveland and Boston, and that is going to be an absolute shootout, and I mean absolute war. It's a, it's a tough choice, but right now I'm leaning towards the Boston Celtics getting past the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's just there's too much bad history in Cleveland. I do think LeBron gets a title, but I'm just not sure yet. Kick me around if I'm wrong, but right now I'm going to say the Boston Celtics squeak by the Cleveland Cavaliers in Game 7 in, in Cleveland by about a point or two, maybe a Rajon Rondo a hoop with no time left or something like that, a Ray Allen. It'll be something like that. It might go to double overtime, but I, yeah, I think the Celtics squeak by if, if they stay healthy. Otherwise, if Boston can't stay healthy, Cleveland will win the East, and you'll have your... LeBron-Kobe finals matchup. I do think the Lakers go against San Antonio in the Western Conference Finals. And I hate bringing up the Spurs getting that far again, but I think they do this time. But history will repeat itself because San Antonio never seems to match up well with the LA Lakers. They just don't for whatever reason. And the LA Lakers get by San Antonio in five or six games, and you have an NBA Finals of Boston-LA. If the Boston Celtics stay healthy... I think the old Lakers Celtic rivalry is going to start leaning is going to start leaning green, and you have a world championship, and I mean the final world championship for this Boston Celtics group. This will be it. This is their last year to win a title, I think, and I think they do it ever so slightly. I think they do it ever so slightly in six or seven games in the NBA Finals of 2009, and then it will be the end. They'll stay competitive for another year or two or three, 
But that will be the end of Boston. There will be no long-term dynasty. And, of course, L.A. will remain a dynasty, and watch out for them. A lot of that hinges on Andrew Bynum's health. Will that guy finally stay healthy and play good basketball late in the year, once and for all? So that is going to conclude this show. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, I apologize to those of you out there on Timberwolves Press that may have wanted this show to be, uh, you know, 30 minutes. But this is a season preview, and that's just how it goes. You're going to look at a little bit longer show. So I'm going to conclude it now. Do call into the phone lines. 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. Mention your calling for Timberwolves Explosion, leave your name and town, and I will have you on the show, and you will be on board. It'll be terrific. So that will do it, folks. NBA begins finally tomorrow. It officially begins tonight, but for the Wolves, that's the team that matters most to us in our hearts. Minnesota Timberwolves, New Jersey Nets tomorrow. Could have had Brooke Lopez, but we had to take Kevin Love. See, we just knew he was going to break his hand, that son of a gun. No. All right. Enjoy. Take care. Go Wolves and go basketball.